Welcome to the Board Game Workshop. I am joined today by Dustin and both halves of Dr. Wick's split personality. Austin, the DC half, and Aaron, the West Virginia half. Dustin, Hello. Austin, Aaron, welcome to the show. Hello. Glad to be here. Good day, Country Roads. So, today we are talking about game design events. Um, where we've got three events that we are all involved in coming up relatively soon, I guess. Uh, mine's actually a couple days from when this will air, I think. Or it's in the past. No, it's in the future. It's this coming Saturday. So if you're listening to this right when it drops, go to theboardgameworkshop.com slash design hyphen day, and you can check that out. And we'll go over details of that and the other ones. So, yeah, game design events. They're, they're an interesting thing. Um, I'm sure a lot of people listening to this and all of us have gone to different design meetups. So you have your shorter, usually at night in the middle of the week, sometimes on a weekend. I know I go to a couple that are three to five hours long. But then you have bigger design events, um, like Protospiels, Unpub Minis, um, Unpub Prime, Metatopia, Proto Toronto, and I'm sure there's a bunch of other ones. But they're... I think the longer events offer a very different kind of experience than your typical weekly or monthly meetup because you're generally getting a much bigger crowd so you can show it to more people. It's a longer event, either a, a several-hour day or sometimes multiple days in, in the case of some of the longer ones. So you really get a lot more people to look at your design. Sometimes they have a lot of other features like talks and panels and sometimes you can meet with a lot of publishers because it's a bigger event, so it has a bigger draw. So they offer a lot more stuff. And now we are trying to create some more to bring this to different areas and different topics. So, well, And also to take advantage of bringing different regions together. One of the things I love about the larger events is the local stuff. You know, I'll meet regularly with, say, Ian Zhang in Pittsburgh, and we'll, we'll hang out with our Pittsburgh people, but... To, to really get feedback from a larger region when you do these larger events, like with the Unpub May at Bethany College, we'll get people from Cleveland, we'll get people from Columbus, Columbus, we'll get people from Pittsburgh, we'll get people from Morgantown, and so it becomes a place to really bring in new perspective and new ideas by, by attracting the larger community to a single place to, to work on our design, work on our craft. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think especially like the really big multi-day ones like Unpub Prime and Metatopia, they draw people in from across the country and some people from across the world because they're, they're a big enough event and you're already getting a hotel room that kind of makes it worth it. So the bigger it gets, the more people you can pull in from the, a bigger region. So let's start with Aaron. What, what is your Unpub Mini about? Why are you starting it? When is it? All of all of those wonderful things. So the Unpub Mini is in Bethany, West Virginia, which is uh, an hour southwest of Pittsburgh and uh, near Wheeling, West Virginia. Oh, give me a second. And I, I was going to say that, yes, Canada does count as other parts of the world, and we're always happy to, to see people from across the country and, of course, from our neighbor to the north when uh, available. I'm just trying to... Okay, so sorry about that. So yeah, our, our Unpub Mini has been looking to replicate some success that we saw at Unpub Minis done in places like uh, RVA Battleground, which serve as a place where different design communities could converge. It's also an opportunity for us to um, have our students at Bethany College playtest stuff they're working on it and to expose them to the larger Borgen community in a way that may not be as easy to do if, if we were to just if we were just go to Pittsburgh, it'd be great, but this allows us to, to see people from across the region and to give them a broader perspective in, in board game thoughts, board game ideas. And it's a great opportunity for anyone to come by and, and play test what they're working on or to come play test other people's things and help them become better board game designers from, from the uh, experienced one looking to get their games well to the uh, students who are really just starting to learn what it means to, to design and play test. Cool. So... Like you said, you're tying it in with the college, so you're getting... Do you know how many people you'll have coming? Do you have attendance yet, or still remains to be seen how many show up? 
right, Aaron? Because if I'm not mistaken, some of the attendance is people from the uh, board game design class that you have going on as well, correct? Looks like Aaron will be busy for a moment. <laughs> so why don't, we, why don't we shift over to Dustin? So Dustin, you're you're doing an event with, I'm never going to remember the name, the <laughs> Board Game Designers Guild of Utah? That's right. Yeah, perfect. I guess I am going to remember it. Yeah, so, so why, why don't you talk about what what that is sure sure we uh, out here in utah we've got a pretty robust uh design community and and so we we kind of put our heads together and decided that we wanted to to do something else out here we've got SaltCon and they've got prototype alley and, and there's been some success with with that and dale and some of the other organizers around uh SaltCon have have been open to even new ideas and bringing that um, out into a more open space, which we're super excited about that for this upcoming SaltCon. But even with all of that, we wanted to come up with a, another event, uh, much smaller than SaltCon, obviously, and we're going to call it ProtoCon. And so we've got a, a an events committee and a marketing committee who have kind of come together to s- decide how to make that work. And it's been a, a little bit of a, a fun process to come up with a name and a slogan and to find out how many people are going to be there and to get a a venue, which was a little bit tricky, and I'm really, really glad that uh, a, a member of our community went out and started just shopping around, finding kind of the the best areas to to do that, uh, and which county it's going to be. And so there, there's a lot that has gone into trying to identify um, just how to how to best make this happen. So it's not going to happen until January. So we've got a little bit of time still, but the the planning stage is is very heavy right now. Yeah, having having time is a pretty good thing. We we started planning ours in I want to say July. We committed to doing it. I sent out the questionnaire to get info on what people wanted in early August. Then September was looking for places. Actually, we sent out a the um, Holiday Inn website. They do a lot of events, so they have just like a form on there, and you can send just a request to a bunch of different Holiday Inns all with one form, so it's really convenient. So I sent it to pretty much every Holiday Inn in the area. The only one that got back to us is the one we're going with, and they're offering us a really good deal, so we couldn't pass it up. Oh, wow. And some other ones, they just didn't respond, or they said they just can't do it. Either they're booked or they don't care. I actually I got one response today saying they could do it, and it's a lower price than the one we went with, although it ends up being higher after they add in some service fee that we're not paying for this one but it's like 10 days till our event that's kind of kind of really late notice to send this thing back like a month after i sent it so oh sure it's getting a location is the hardest part it seems and also the most expensive yeah we had considered trying to find like library space or at a church or or someplace that wouldn't even cost anything and and there's just a lot to juggle when it comes to to things like that. I mean, if, if we're in a, a library, can we really be quiet? And w- if we're at a church, what about food and drink? And, and so, I mean, there's just some funny things to juggle when it comes to that kind of thing. Yeah, I was originally thinking we would do it in a game store, but we also want to do it on a Saturday to have it all day long. And you can't really take over a game store on a Saturday. That's a day for magic. And they rely on that for a good chunk of their income. So it's very hard to get a full game store for a full Saturday. Right. So, and at this, and at the same time, how are you, you know, dealing with registration for these smaller events? Are you charging your designers to come in, or are you, how do you handle that? So this is actually one of the main things I sent the questionnaire out about, which now I have all sorts of numbers to back this up. So I sent the questionnaire out. It was partially, what are you looking for in the venue? Because the the whole experience is an important thing beyond just getting playtest time. And then we put up three different methods of doing it. One is based on the Unpub, where designers come in and they buy a table for so many hours, and then playtesters come in for free and play games. The other was based more on the protospiel model, where everyone pays the same price for a ticket, and you're all coming in as designers, and you just meet up in groups, and you playtest, and it's more freeform. And then the third was something I came up with, which was kind of freeform, but you could have designers and playtesters. Designers would get a bunch of tickets that they could give to the playtesters to incentivize them, and then the players can enter those into raffles to win different prizes. The uh, The results were kind of surprising. 
the renting a table was by far the most popular and the freeform protospiel model was the least popular which is surprising because protospiels are pretty popular across the country although not on the east coast there are no protospiels on the east coast we only have unpubs over here so i think maybe there's just a regional difference and designers here are not used to the protospiel model because a lot of the comments i got on the questionnaire where people were worried about the freeform model because what if someone else comes in and they're, they're better at getting attention, they have a more interesting game, and they just get all the playtesters, and then someone else who paid the same money and brought their game isn't getting anything because they're not as good at grabbing people. And I think they feel that getting, getting a table for your money is, at least you're getting something. You know, you have the table, and people can see your game set up on the table, and maybe they'll play yeah, it. Yeah, they've got so a at guarantee. Least you have that. Yeah. Then the other one with the tickets, it was very polarizing. Some people thought it was a neat idea. Some people thought it was terrible. So that was that was all over the place. And I think it maybe could be reworked into a thing that works. But I don't think it's really worth the time and effort to create it and run it since just having tables to rent seems to be very popular. Right. We're, we're doing a similar thing. We're charging for table time or table space. Um, and we're going to have different options there. If somebody's got a longer game, they, they might want a bigger table or more time, and, and so we'll, we'll match that. And then each of the participants coming in to, to play the games, um, there's going to be a small fee uh, there. Uh, I, we don't really know how much either of those are going to be. Uh, we're calculating that right now, but there, there's a plan to make you know, some fee for both of them. So what are you planning on for, for timing for yours? Like how long is the day? How long are the table rentals? You talking to me on that one? Yes, I think Aaron's still gone. Um, well, I don't know the the cost yet. Um, we've kind of thrown around some different numbers. I, I don't know if it's going to be five dollars for playtesters to to come in, uh, something along those lines, and then maybe thirty dollars for an hour. Um, again, th- those numbers could could shift, and and certainly uh, may. Um, some of the things that, that we've talked about is wanting to have some swag at the doors and you know those kinds of things and depending on on how interested you know publishers or or others are in even doing something like that 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 could increase the the cost or or lower it um just depending on the kind of support that we get we've also considered whether to have food at the venue um and and that could also change you know how much we're we're charging so those are the kinds of things we're calculating right now yeah i'm learning it's it's a lot of different things you have to balance the food especially is such a difficult thing I know the location we have, there's not really any food close by, and the, it's at a hotel, and they don't allow outside food in. So if anyone wants to go get food, they're driving away from the place for a decent amount of time, eating away from the place, and then coming back. So that's losing oh, no. playtesters or designers for a while. But they serve food in the hotel, and we got them to do a concession stand right outside our room. So they'll be running that for part of the day. And they gave us a deal on that, so we're actually not paying for any of the concessions. That's just, they're going to sell it themselves. So that helps us on our budget, but it's still, it's very limiting food-wise, which that's what you get when you get a cheaper hotel. If you want a place downtown next to all the restaurants, you're going to pay downtown prices. And if you pay downtown prices, then you've got to charge your attendees downtown prices, and then they have to pay for parking. So <laughs> it's hard to balance. You can't really have everything. Oh, that's very true. You know, you can just look at uh, the uh, Unpub Prime for for about two years, two, three years. They were in downtown Baltimore, um, but at the Baltimore Convention Center. But then, you know, one reason or another, they decided to move it uh, northwest of Baltimore. Now you're out of the middle of the city. All issues that have to be looked at. Yeah, which the... Because I've only gone to Unpub since they moved to the Wonderful Horse Hotel. But the um, I was talking to them last year. They were on the show talking about creating the Unpub and stuff. And downtown was great for foot traffic because you have all the people there coming in. But it was absolutely terrible for paying for parking and the congestion. So at the hotel they're at now, parking is free. There's plenty of space. But you're getting in the car and you're driving like a mile down the road to go to a restaurant. Which, there's a whole shopping plaza down the road, but if you don't have a car, you're kind of stranded. So that's it's not ideal. But it's much better for parking. I think it's probably cheaper on them. I would think so. Uh, okay. so, so, Aaron, welcome back. 
Thank you. Uh, parenting calls, as you know. Always important. <laughs> so, you want to tell us a little more about your event? We were just talking about uh, the trouble of getting a location and balancing price and food and parking and all of the wonderful costs that you can't get past. Well, and, and that's why... So we hold the event in Bethany Memorial Church in Bethany, West Virginia. And we do that because it has three parking, as you, you guys were talking about before. It is handicap accessible, which, which is an important thing to be considerate of. It is in walking distance of both Chambers General Store, which has not only food, but uh, office supplies, working prototyping parts, and uh, auto parts, which could, I guess could also be prototyping, prototyping parts, and hardware, which could be prototyping parts, and uh, whatever you need. And we're also near the cafeteria. So it's it's great location in terms of for an event, which is mostly self-contained, having what you need relatively nearby. But the uh, the event will run uh, from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. on November 9th, which is a Saturday, which is, again, anything about timing for the events, when you put the event where people can actually make it. Yeah. The, uh, mine's also on a Saturday. Dustin, is yours on a Saturday? Or do you have a date set yet? Yeah, we've got a, a date. Uh, I don't have it in front of me. It's it's mid to late January. It will be on a Saturday. If you're doing a one-day event, it seems like Saturday is the way to go. Yeah. Because people are busy Monday through Friday. Sunday, you can't really be busy too late. Usually, you got to get ready for the week. Saturday is the only day to do it. The problem being, Saturday is also the only day for everything else people have to do. True, true. You know, what's funny is we've been talking... Uh, one of my collaborators uh, sent me a, a document that kind of breaks down the cost that we're looking at right now. And it's actually cheaper than I had said. So designers may come in for about $20 for a two-hour play session, uh, $12 for a one-hour. Um, we've actually got a an area that might be for under 18 designers, if, as long as they've got a mentor with them. And that's going to be $5 for a one-hour spot. And so that's kind of a, a cool, unique idea. I'm not sure if it's going to take off, but if there's some some kids of designers coming and they want to participate. We, we want to have a, a stage for them to, to show off their stuff as well. Yeah, that's a great idea. Because this, this past year I opened up the design contest to under no age limit, really. And uh, I think we had seven games that were either designed by kids or co-designed by kids. So they're out there and they, they have really interesting ideas. I think it's great to encourage them. And I think before Aaron went away, we were starting to talk about uh, audience size. So, I mean, as you're putting these together and you're looking at your venue, you also need to have in mind, like, how many people you're expecting to show up to make sure that you don't get a room that's too big or a space that's too cramped for all the people that are showing up. Um, I guess we'll start with Aaron on that because, hi, and then um, Dustin. <laughs> so, the uh one of the first things I did when I looked at venue possibilities is I go there and I just I count tables. How many games can I fit in here? And do I have the ability to expand elsewhere? The, the nice thing about our location at Bethany Memorial Church is that the fellowship hall has a large number of tables. And if need be, there's a room where we could expand if we had a large enough crowd. Our audience is a regional audience, so we're not trying to bring in hundreds of thousands of people. We, we, we couldn't fit them. In, in the town itself, but to bring in somewhere between you know, 30 up to 100 people to come in and just steadily play test. Uh, we, we have plenty of space for them, we have a nice quaint setting, and we're, we're taking advantage of being in between all these large cities to be at that middle spot where you can really have that, uh, that meeting of minds. But Aaron, are you are you doing a registration beforehand? So you're like you have like a hard limit as to how many people you're let come, letting come into this, or is it just uh, free form? So board game designers themselves can sign up for a table space at umpub.net under the events section. We already umpub mini at Bethany Memorial Church. I'll say we have, I believe. Uh, 
18 tables. Registration for us is free. The venue for us is relatively low cost. We have lots of community support. So we're just looking to attract people to create this, this community event. And I lost your question. I'm sorry. Can you repeat it? No, that's all right. Um, might as well, uh, Dustin, do you have any thoughts on how you, 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 you're putting together your space plus your attendees? Yeah, so we're, we feel fortunate in the place, the venue that, that we've found. They've got a few different rooms of different sizes. And as we start to gather and collect uh, information in, in who's registering, so we're, we're doing a, a pre-register, um, we're able to, to switch rooms and with, with no extra cost. They've been really flexible with us. And so right now we're, we're gathering in the, the number of designers that are going to come. We're hoping to have at least 30 designers. If each of those designers can bring in at least one friend who can be a play tester, um, and then if we can get 30 additional you know, people unrelated to those coming, we hope to, to land somewhere around 90 people total, uh, hopefully even 100. Um, I, I'm not sure that we're planning on more than that, though. Yeah, those are pretty much the same numbers I'm hoping for. We've got... We've got 16 designer tables, and we're doing two five-hour blocks. So we can do 32 designers. We can fit 100 people in the room. But that is not what ticket sales have been. So that's that was kind of a surprise. There was a lot of positive feedback on the questionnaire, and there's a lot of designers in the area, but we're just not getting the ticket sales we were hoping for. So either people are waiting for the last minute, or... There's just not enough advertising or lead time to prepare this. So it remains to be seen if that's going to come together or not. So so I'm, I'm, I'm not getting the information you guys have because the only pre-registration I have is for designers. What I do have, though, is this is the second time I've ran this event. And the first time I, I ran it, I got I got 30 people to, to come between designers and playtesters. And, and there was enough playtesters that the designers had a full table the entire time. One advantage that I have is that I'm part of a college campus, so, and I'm in a rural setting, so for my students, I am one of the major events that will be taking place that day. Uh, although this year, there will also be a home football game as well. But but I can rely on on being one of the key things taking place locally to bring in part of my crowd. I mean, for my community, which has about 200 year-round residents, this, this is the event that's going on in town that day. So, so we get a lot of people just from town to come because there isn't much competition. Oh, that's kind of nice, though. We, we've got 17 designers who are unofficially pre-registered. We're, we're just gathering in names of, of those who say that, they, that they're very interested and that they want their name on the list um, so that we can give them updates as, as we go along. And I've got another list of about 11 who say that they're, they're interested, but they don't want to commit to anything yet. And so with ours not happening until January, I'm feeling pretty confident that we're going to have those 30 spaces filled. Um, but you never know. I mean, some people could, could back out and this is our first time doing this. So we're going to, I guess, learn some lessons the hard way <laughs> is what I'm assuming. And so that's, Oh, awesome. Actually, I do have a question for you, Chris. You, know, you were saying that your it sounded like your uh, venue kind of came together pretty quickly, and I was curious if you feel that how how were you advertising to your uh, designers uh, in lieu of having a location nailed down? So that was part of the issue. We did this all very very last minute. Like we decided to do it in July. August was the questionnaire. September was looking for a location, and it's happening in October. So this is this is a rush job from every angle, and some people discouraged me from trying to do that. But I like to fail at something to learn, so we'll see how it goes. But yeah, advertising was tough. Um, actually, getting the venue was a little easier. The thing we were running into is we were trying to come up with a name so we could advertise it. And we kept throwing around different names and nothing was really sounding good or fitting. So we ended up just going with the Board Game Workshop Design Day, which is a mouthful, but continues the branding of the podcast. So once we got that, we started spreading it out. I, um, I was recently in the Boston Fig Showcase, so that gave me access to 
couple thousand people coming by, so we passed out cards for the event to all the designers there and a lot of the uh, attendees because it's it's a similar event to that where you're playing not quite published games and for designers um, I'm part of two local design groups so I've been advertising to them um, my friend Brian is hosting the event with me he's a member of one of the design groups so I've been pushing it there but it has been a very rushed thing and no no formal advertising of any kind. So just sharing on social media and trying to build it up in different groups. So it's tough. Advertising is a very tricky thing, especially for this sort of thing with with it being the first year. Once once you have a couple in the past, you have people that have gone and they can say, this was a good time or this was a waste of money, don't go. So hopefully next year we'll grow if this goes successfully enough to to have a next year. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I've, I've made sure, especially the first year, even this year, is not set high expectations for what people should expect. I'm, if I have three or four designers and playtesters from them all day, that's, that's a success. If I have 10 or 12 designers and I have playtesters all day, that's a success. But the key thing is for the people that do come that they are engaged the whole time and, and I have the luxury that because of my low costs I don't have to worry about hitting a particular number to break even uh, the the church uh, was willing to provide a location free of charge because of it being a community event and f for building community activity and th that would be my biggest cost right there so, but that's, yeah, I mean, starting small with expectations, even if you grow to be bigger, is just one way I've, I've tried to prepare for that. That idea of how many people can I really attract to come play test. That's definitely my biggest concern is getting enough people that it's a useful event for the people there, even if we don't cover our costs, which ideally we would cover our costs. But even if we don't, as long as the people there have a full table of testers so that it's worth their time, that's my main concern. If it's too lopsided either way, it's not going to be fun for anyone. So as long as it's a fun event, it's worth working on. And then next year, maybe we figure out how to get the prices right. Yeah, that's ex excellent. I was just going to mention, I sent a, a question into the, uh, the Game Crafter podcast, and they recently answered that just a week ago uh, on this very subject. And so if anybody who's listening is interested in hearing more about starting an unpub or starting a protospill, that, that's another podcast who um, I thought did a really good job in, in getting into the details around how to do that and things to consider uh, in addition to the things talked about today. Yeah, I heard that episode and I was thinking how great it would have been if it came out a couple months ago. So another thing we had talked about a little earlier and kind of moved away from was access to the location. This is another thing in my questionnaire uh, one of the questions was, how important is it that it's close to public transportation? And one question was, how important is it that there's parking? And I was surprised at how much both of those skewed. Very few people cared about public transportation, and almost everyone cared about parking. So whatever designers answer the questionnaire, or maybe it's a regional thing because we don't have great public transit in the Northeast, but everyone is used to driving, so they want a place to park. And they weren't even that concerned if it was free parking, so they're willing to pay for the parking which is another thing that's pretty common in the Northeast because a lot of places are very short on parking. So I think that's definitely a regional difference depending on what people expect from public transportation or not. I was going to say, uh, being in Bethany, I mean, you could walk uh, if you didn't drive here. I guess you could ride a horse, but being in, in the rural location we are and, and being in a location where we're set between large cities in the Midwest, which is not known for being a hub of public transit anyways, it, to get there, you're going to have to, people who are going to come are going to have to come in car. Just, that's just the geography of this region. And as you mentioned, that could be really skewing the results. I mean, even in the, the Northeast, there's only so many places between the large cities which are on the public transit lines and 
question that that would be good for us to answer is where do our playtesters live? That's that is the elusive question. I don't have a lot of playtesters signed up so far, so I'm I'm hoping they live close enough to Taunton, Massachusetts, or they can get a ride. Which that's the issue, like we were talking about earlier, the cheaper places are far away from population dense cities. So you're not getting like there's there's no chance anyone's going to be just wandering by the hotel during our event because not only is it outside of the city, it's in an industrial park right off of a highway. It's not it's not a place you wander to. It's a place that you go to on purpose or you got very lost going somewhere else. So we're not really going to get any sort of casual people wandering by. It'll be just people focused on going there. So that makes the advertising for it more important, which is a very hard thing to do. Yeah, I, I can't say for sure where all of the playtesters are going to come from. S- certainly some of them are going to be friends of those who are you know, bringing their own games. Uh, we've got a, a Gamers Guild, uh, I think it's Northern Utah Gamers Guild, NUG is what they go by, that we, we hope to be able to, to tap into. Um, they're, they, they're a really strong community and, and you know, they come together. They're, they're a big part of, of SaltCon and I'm not sure if they're interested in coming and playing uh, unpublished games, but we, we would love to tap into that and, and interest them if that's something that they would be open to. So what's the distance for them, do you know? So Davis County, which is where um, SaltCon is, is, is a part of northern Utah. So even though SaltCon sounds like it's in Salt Lake City, it's, it's a short distance north. Um, but it's not, a, it's not a long drive. So from, from Salt Lake uh, up to Davis County, they're, they're neighboring each other. So we, we should be able to tap into that if, if there's interest there. Yeah, because that's one of the things I've been wondering. Because we're, we're having it in southern Massachusetts. So how far are people willing to drive? We can definitely get southern Massachusetts, at least the eastern part. Rhode Island could easily get to it. Connecticut, that's more of a drive. Are people going to be willing to drive two or three hours to get to a one-day event? I don't. I think that's probably stretching it. So, the key thing that I saw, at least with the previous many we've held on campus, is that board game designers will drive, but the play testers we had were all local, whether they came from Wheeling or uh, from Wellsburg, which is a small town from us, or, or from our town itself, or from campus. The, the play testers were, were local, whether they were alpha board gamers or casual board gamers or novice board gamers it, it didn't matter they were local and something about the event intrigued them and and to reach those people i mean I, when it came to marketing it came about how do i get in front of their eyes to know that it exists so for there are certain places where i can put posters for campus and community there's certain places I, I know that people look at i mean there's only one store so you get a poster in that store the whole town knows but, yeah, the, the playtesters, my experience, are, are local, unless you make a really big event. But the designers, the designers work, have a hard time finding good playtesting, though, though it's getting better with the increase in events. And they're much more willing to, to make that sort of one, two-hour journey. Yeah, that's such a good point. Well, even, well, even Unpub Prime, where they have, I think, there are up to several thousand playtesters that come in. Most of them are local. So the people that travel across the country are the designers that get a table and they're staying there and going to the talks and you know experiencing the full event. But the playtesters that come in, most people are not going to travel across the country just to go and play games for a couple of hours. I mean, there's VIP playtesters which come in and get to do the after-hour stuff in there. They're more designers, even if they don't have a table. But... I find it interesting that all of us are doing more unpub-style events where designers are getting a table for some amount of time, and then playtesters are coming in. But we're also saying that getting the playtesters in is the hardest part. So I, I'm wondering if a protospiel style, even though, according to my questionnaire, it's not what people want, might be a better fit, because in that style, it's designers coming together with designers to play games. So you don't, you don't need outside playtesters. You just need the designers to commit to it. You know, and we had considered that and, and I mean, really talked about this for a long time and, and we're very interested in having non-designer eyes on these games um, because we've got so many guild locations where we have our, our games looked at by other designers. It became really important that we take a look at, you know, another demographic to, to come in and, and participate. 
That's a good point. I mean, at what point is the other style just a longer design night that you already have multiple times a month? Especially if it's the right. same people. You know, one other thing we're, we're trying out, and I think that this is something that Proto-TO does, is the very beginning of the event is going to be like a, a showcase uh, where games have an opportunity to, to be displayed and, and kind of more more in an open way to everybody um, be, be shown. And your your playtest times won't be until after those showcases have ended. And so we're, we're going to see if, if that works. We're, we're hoping, we're crossing our fingers that this is going to work out well um, since it's a format that's worked for Proto-TO, uh, but we don't know yet. Dustin, do you know how long your event is? Did you say that already? Uh, let me look that up. I've got... 9 a.m. to about 11.30 p.m. Oh, wow. So that's, that's a long day. Yeah, we've got Showcase A running about an hour, Showcase B about an hour. It's going to be a lunch break and then playtest se- sessions through the evening. So it's a full lunch break? Like everything stops? That, that's what we're planning on. Um, instead of having people just kind of graze or come in and go out as they will and and they will um we we wanted to try to have it be very structured so that people who are there can be there and not miss out on anything um but again we we may structure it differently in the future depending on what we see well something like that should be appreciated by the designers who are at their table the entire time and then like having giving them a sanctioned break where they can walk away for a little bit is uh, appreciated. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, well I said. think so. <laughs> See, I was specifically trying to avoid any sort of concrete break like that because I'm worried about losing people if the event stops for any amount of time. So we have it split into the two blocks. So people in block one can go eat during block two, and people in block two can eat during block one. But as far as like playtesters, which I imagine wouldn't come in for the full 10 hours, I think nine and a half hours of playtesting we're going to have. Right. So they can kind of come in and out, but I don't, I'm afraid of anything stopping. And and what we're doing is we've got that showcase at the beginning and there's no playtesting that happens before that lunch break. And so if if anything, people may come in late uh, only after that lunch break, um, but then they would miss miss out on that showcase, which they may or may not uh, care about. That, that's part of what we're we're taking a look at right now. But I I think that there would be a a fear that what you were saying could happen would happen if there were sessions and then a lunch break and then more sessions. But where all of those are going to start after the lunch, my my hope is that they'll kind of get corralled in and stay uh, for that big bulk of time. So it's kind of like two separate events yes. with a lunch in the middle. And they're incentivized to come to the second thing because that's the main right. event. Oh, now I'm really curious about how the showcasing things work. Because at first I'm like, oh, is it like a, a wrestling introduction where they walk <laughs> around with their game and be like, in this game you are going to? Uh, how do you how do you see that working? Well, I, I wish that I had David who has seen this. Um, he he's described it to us and, and kind of pitched it as this is a really important thing to do, but I've not seen it myself, and so I, I'm a little bit curious myself to see the way that that plays out. Because yeah, I know for for tabletop events and Unpub, which ties into tabletop events too, I think, and Protospiel, they all use tabletop events now to uh, sign up. But there's a section where you can. Uh, add your prototype to the website so different attendees can go and look at a list of what people are showing and that kind of gives you a preview so I think similar to what you're talking about with the showcase although not as interactive and you know a show but it's a way for people to get an idea of what's there ahead of time plan out what do they want to see are they excited about this designer or this game yeah and Austin I I like your idea I I might have people select their entrance music and can we get a smoke machine and whatever we can do to amp this up. (laughs) It's all about the spectacle. Yeah. We're going to release a little bit of flash pops in here, a little bit of fireworks, a little bit of smoke, a little bit of haze, a little bit of lights, and then we're going to hit them with the music. And then it's going to be a deck builder. and (laughs) Yeah, something like that. So besides the the showcase and the playtesting, are you planning on having any any other events, any talks or workshops or anything like that? We talked about doing that in the future. Um, we wanted to try to keep this streamlined and simple. Um, depending on what kind of help we get from publishers, we we may even want you know a space for 
for them to present their things and and have some say in in how things go but as of this year probably just keep things pretty simple yeah i'm on the going along the same lines it's definitely something i would like to add in the future but i think you would definitely have to wait until it's a multi-day event because only having one day if you want to do any sort of talk you're really cutting into your time which i mean maybe if that's what you want to be like three hours of talks and then five hours of playtesting could possibly work although it depends on the size of the group and what you can get for talks but i know unpub as they've been expanding they've got three days of playtesting or is it two now i forget how they're structured but they started adding earlier stuff because a lot of the designers would show up early just to hang out because it's easier to show up early but they started adding some panels and talks and they're growing that and making more of a thing now and then metatopia which is kind of its own unique structure not like anything else but it has talks and panels scheduled the entire time and playtests scheduled the entire time so there's always everything happening which means you cannot do everything and there's a lot of good stuff that overlaps so it's kind of tough but they have they have just so much happening the entire time which is interesting but it takes a lot of people really committed to do that yeah very true you know jeff beck who is helping to to spearhead this uh, event protocon and um, one of the organizers behind it he and tim fowers have done a, a really nice job with something called the tabletop network conference um, th- this is less like a, a convention and more like kind of a, a more traditional conference that like business people would go to. And they, this will be the second year that they're doing, doing that. Um, and, and it's unrelated to, to what we're doing, but it, it, it's one of those things that when, when you go to that and you listen to the talks and, and you get kind of knee deep in just all that, how, how would you say it? Just that education, I guess, around board games and, and how to do it effectively. Um, I, I went the the first year and listened to Ryan Lockett and listened to, I mean, so many, so many people. Jeff Engelstein was there. It was very, very cool. And this year, I think they've teamed up with BGGCon and they've kind of attached themselves to that conference. And so perhaps, you know, one day, you know, doing talks like that. And I don't know, it, it's something interesting to think about. Yeah, it's definitely an event I would like to get to sometime, which when they moved from Utah to Texas, I was excited that maybe they're going to keep moving around and at some point it'll be in new england and then yeah, I, could I was probably far go less excited it. since it but. moved significantly further away <laughs> you've got it once already you got to share uh, i wasn't able to attend that but i was a digital attendee i got to watch all the uh, live stream all the stuff that was streamed from it afterwards yeah. it was a very good event agreed um I, I do have a question uh, about the Board Game Designers Guild of Utah. Um, this is the first prototyping game convention you're putting on. Is that that this is the first convention you're putting your group yes, is putting correct. on? Yes. Okay. But have you ever attached yourselves to larger conventions? Like you go to a larger, more traditional game convention as the guild of utah and you have always like, set up a booth or anything like that have you done that in the past so we we've been uh, strong attendees or we've been attendees at at SaltCon. um we we could certainly do better in promoting ourselves and even having a table um at SaltCon. that's certainly something that the organizers there uh, have been open to and, and have you know offered to us uh, which is great uh, whereas we we don't take in any dues or money of any kind, it's it's all volunteer. There, we don't have a, a lot of even spending power to to get those kinds of tables. And so we we go and we're a part of their prototype alley, and and even got the game crafter to give us a bunch of bits and different things so that we could give those away during that prototype alley time. Um, but we could certainly do more with that. Yeah, I know I know the unpub ties itself into a lot of conventions, like they have their unpub minis and unpub prime. But then there's also unpub areas at pretty much all the major conventions now, I think. So they're really tying it in, but a, which is great because they're you know getting basically unpubs all over the place all the time. But people have to attend the main convention, which in a lot of cases is much more expensive than going to just a design event. So that's always something I worry about with tying yourself in to a larger event. Like I know uh, the Game Crafter has CrafterCon which I think they 
do inside of, is it Game Hall Con? But people have to attend the main convention, and then, I'm not sure if it's an extra fee to go to their extra thing or not, but it's it's not as cheap as just a design day would be, you know? Austin, are you going to say something? No. <laughs> well, yeah, well, yes, but it's just a further tangent, so. And since we're already, if you, it's almost like we're at time, so it's like wrapping up time, I don't know. Well, is Aaron back? I don't think so. Hmm. I'm trying to hold off until he gets back so he can uh, talk about his event on the closeout. So you can go on a tangent if you want. Okay, sure, no, because I was going to say that the, the one advantage about being part of a of those unpubs kind of being part of a larger con is that you you get you get that wider audience because as we were saying uh when you're putting on the unpub when you're putting on this the the convention yourself you find that the, the designers come in from all over the place and the attendees are more local to the region which makes a lot of sense but when you attach yourself to one of these larger cons suddenly the attendees also now come from a much larger uh, area as well and then that increases your potential pool of people to come in and actually play your game which is appreciated but at the same time one of my things is that as I keep telling people it's like there are there always seems to be like a certain type of person that actually wants to show up and play unfinished games like, I think that there's a certain type of individual that's really into that, and then there's a, a much broader part of the audio, uh, of the uh, board gaming community who who really isn't. <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. Like, you do have a much bigger crowd to draw from, but how much of that crowd cares? Like, 100% of Gen Con is not interested in going to Unpub, but some percentages, and if that percentage is larger than the people that are in an area for a local meetup, that's an improvement. Right, but at the same time, when you have your local meetup specifically to do that, you 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 know you know the right people are showing up who are going to be game for who knows what's going to hit the table, right? Yeah. Okay, so why don't we close this up, and then Aaron can just do his closeout, and I'll edit it in. So that about does it for this episode about game design events. We'll be recording another one about another topic in a minute, but... Let's close this out with info on where people can get in touch with you, follow you online, and get more info about your event. Dustin, you want to start? Yeah. Um, Odd Fox Games is where you can find me if you want to message me or um, reach out to me in any way. Um, as far as our event page, um, that's not up yet, and I don't have a name for that. Uh, it should be here shortly. Uh, we've got some people working on that, as well as our on our uh, Board Game Designers Guild of Utah uh, home page which has been down for quite some time so both of those are being worked on and should be up before long and when they do come up i'll announce them here and i will throw those in the show notes when i have them and aaron you can find dr Witz at dr.witz.com you can find dr Witz on twitter and instagram at dr Witz, which is d-r-w-i-c-t-z you can also find dr Witz on facebook by searching for dr dot space wits and Aaron you want to give uh, info on finding out about your event so the uh, the unpub mini at Bethany College is November 9th which is a Saturday 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. you can find out more by going to the unpub website unpub.net and go to events and you'll be listed under the Unpub Mini at Bethany Memorial Church. If you're a board game designer, you can uh, s- sign up right there for a table space. And if you're a more distance traveler, please outreach. We do have limited lodging available for around $40 a night at the Alumni Center, which is right next to Bethany Memorial Church. So you'd be you know, 10 meters, 15 meters from the event. Great spot, great location. And if you're interested in that, please send us a message on, on Twitter at Dr. Witz, and uh, we'll communicate and work out some details. And the Board Game Workshop Design Day will be October 19th, 
in Taunton, Massachusetts at the Holiday Inn right off of 495 if you're in the area. It's $30 for a five-hour designer table. We still have a bunch of spots left, so if you're listening to this right when it airs, check the website. Go to theboardgameworkshop.com slash design hyphen day. You can get all the info on getting badges and times and schedules. And playtesters attend free, and we're going to have giveaways of some games from sponsors and prototyping bits. So hopefully it is a fun event. And any questions, you can find me on Twitter, at the BG Workshop, and all of the links to everything we've talked about today will be in the show notes and updated as we get more information. So go to theboardgameworkshop.com for all of that, and, yeah, ask questions in all sorts of places, like the Discord, which we are in pretty often. Okay, so that does it for the show. Thank you all for joining me. All right, thanks. See you later. Thank you. Good to be here. Yes, thank you for having us. That's all for this episode. The Board Game Workshop is a member of the Indie Game Report. You can check out their reviews and interviews at theindiegamereport.com. Thank you to all of our Patreon supporters, especially our inventor-level supporters. Chris Turner, Vegan Al, Brad Bachelor, Roscoe Schock, Vas Cottis, and Corey Muddeman. If you'd like to support the show, go to patreon.com slash theboardgameworkshop. You can follow the show on Twitter at thebgworkshop and on Facebook at theboardgameworkshop. Join the show's Discord channel to discuss episodes. You can call the show's Google Voice number at 725-222-8249 and leave a question or a contributor segment for a future episode. You can get the links for these and all show notes at theboardgameworkshop.com. Thanks for listening.